As a parent, you have certain responsibilities toward your children. And according to Trent Griffith, one of them is to help adjust their perspectives. You know, it's characteristic of children that they seek their own interest. How many of you have noticed this? They're a little selfish. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. So the job of parenting is to get their focus off of themselves and onto others and to realize you are just a speck of dust on the canvas of God's creation. And you are valued and love and have intrinsic worth as you are created in the image of God. But God has a purpose for you beyond consuming the creation on yourself. I'm not raising my kids to survive the world. I'm raising my kids to change the world. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, I hope your Good Friday and Resurrection weekend are going well. Now, today's program is about parenting and how we as parents need to send out our kids with a sense of purpose. I can't help but think about how our perfect Heavenly Father did that with His Son. To use the arrows analogy— God the Father shot what we might call His only begotten arrow, that is Jesus, to earth to become one of us, and ultimately to suffer and die for those He loved. His punishment opened the way for us to be saved from sin and death and hell. He paid the price for our sins, and it's His righteousness that He now grants to all who trust in Him for salvation. So in a very real sense, Easter is about some amazing parenting principles. The gospel really is at the heart of all godly parenting. Today, we'll hear the first part of Pastor Trent's final message in the series, Shooting Straight About Parenting. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. Well, let's get our Bibles open. Philippians chapter 2. As you've already heard, this is the final message in our four-part series called Shooting Straight on Parenting. And uh, some of you are not parents. You're probably glad this is the final message, but I think all of us have learned about how our parents have affected us and now how we're affecting our children, if you are a parent. We've been learning from Psalm 127 that children are like what? Children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior, which means parents are like warriors in the hand of God. And so as parents, you understand this, if you have kids, you are in a war. And now the children are not the enemy. They're the target of the enemy. And yet you have a weapon. It's called your children. And our desire as parents is to straighten them because they're bent. How many of your children are bent? Mine are, and I'm bent. They got at that from me, right? And so we're bent, and so the job of a parent in the hand of God is to straighten the arrow, sharpen the arrow, which brings us to the last thing, and that's what we're talking about today, is to actually send the arrow. Now, some of you say, I sent my arrow, but I found out that uh, it was actually a boomerang. It came back. How many of you had one of those? It came back. Yeah. I heard about this guy a couple of weeks ago. He kind of went viral. Um, it's this guy named um, Michael Rotondo. He's 30 years old, and um, he moved back in with his parents when he was 22. And for the last eight years, he's been living in his parents' basement. And approaching his 31st birthday, his parents were really trying to give him a vision to move out. 
and get a job and take responsibility for yourself, but he just wouldn't do it. And so they ended up, they had to write him five different eviction notices and he still wouldn't move out. And so they actually had to take him to court to get the authorities to enforce the eviction notice. He argued with the judge and just said, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready for this. And this life's just so hard and it's dangerous out there. So he, he and they, they said, you've got to go. So anyway, you don't want to be like Michael. You don't want to raise kids like Michael. Our job as a parent is to send them out. The purpose of parenting is to aim our kids at the purposes of God and send them out for God's purposes in their lives. Now, I want you to see this here from the scripture, and I've asked you to open to Philippians chapter two. This is actually not a passage particularly on parenting, but you're going to see the analogy really clear. Some of you may know that God used a man named Paul to write about half of the New Testament. And Paul, from time to time, would tell us about his team, his tribe. And one of the, his favorite people in his tribe was this guy named Timothy. He was a younger man, and it really was a spiritual father, Paul, who had a spiritual son, Timothy. And we read about him beginning here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Look at what it says. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. Everybody underline the word send in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I may to be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, do you see it there? As a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him. There it is again, underline it. In verse 23, send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. We're going to learn three things just from this passage of Scripture. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite Andrea to join me up here on the platform because we want to get super practical about how we can actually send these arrows out. At whatever age of parenting you're at, there's going to come this point where we release them, we send them. And Andrea's going to help me make that really practical here. But before she comes, let me just say this. We learned these four different types of parents. We don't want to be the permissive parent that's high in love, low in discipline. We don't want to be the authoritarian parent, high in discipline, low in love. We want to be a gospel-centered parent. We want to teach them the fear of the Lord through the parent's discipline. We want to teach them to walk in the ways of the Lord through a parent's instruction that requires a healthy balance of love and discipline. It's so hard to get that right. We've never really quite gotten it right. We strive for that. I hope you're striving for that. But we want to be a gospel-centered parent. Here's what we see from this passage. First of all, Parents need to send them out with hope in the Lord. Do you see it there in verse 19? He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. He didn't have to say that. He could have just said, I hope to send Timothy to you. Or he just could have said, I'm sending Timothy to you. But he prefaced it with this. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you. Paul had a very vertical view 
of ministry. He put his confidence and his hope and his trust, not in his ability, but in the Lord's ability for everything he could do. As a parent, we need to do the same. Our hope for our children is not in our ability to straighten them and sharpen them and send them. Our hope is in the Lord's ability. Unless the Lord builds the house, parents are powerless to do anything that God has given us as our responsibility. So our hope is in the Lord. You see, if you don't hope in the Lord, if you don't have a vertical understanding of parenting, here's what you're left with. You are left to hope in your own ability to straighten these kids. And if you haven't figured out yet, you don't have enough ability to do that, one day you're going to wake up and realize you don't. But if you're not hoping in the Lord, do you know what will cause you to be? It will cause you to be an overprotective parent, a parent who is not ready to let go of your children. And the reason is because you're not trusting God's ability is greater than your ability to protect them and to use them and even to send them straight even though they're flying crooked. An overprotective parent lives with the fear and the insecurity that something's going to happen to my kid if I'm right there on top of it to protect them. And what if they skin their knee and who's going to give them a Band-Aid and and the issues get bigger. So you don't want to be this overprotective parent that somehow thinks that the only hope my kids have is in me. No, we hope in the Lord as we send our children. You say, but isn't it the job of a parent to protect their children? Absolutely. Your number one responsibility as a parent, especially when they are little, is to protect your children from danger. Does everybody understand that? My number one responsibility as a parent, I need to protect my children from danger. Everybody all in on that? Do that, do that well. Here's your second responsibility to prepare my children to be dangerous. Some of you are saying, my children are already dangerous. Things are on fire sometimes at our house and things are thrown and and there are bruises sometimes. I'm talking about a different kind of dangerous, okay? Not a danger to others, but a danger to the enemy. Do you understand that arrows are not safe? Arrows are not meant to be displayed on the, on the wall like artwork. Like, look how straight that arrow is. Look at the beauty of the, of the feathers. No, children are not accessories for parents. Children are weapons of parents. And once they fly, once they are released, they are meant to cause damage to the enemy's territory. You say, what do you mean dangerous? Let me put it this way. Do you remember the guy that Jesus raised from the dead? What was his name? Lazarus. You remember this guy? And he he got sick and he died. Jesus showed up four days later and said, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out in the mummy suit, you know, walking out. And they unwrap him there. And he's alive. He once was dead, then he was alive. Now, how many of you think that guy could have made millions on a book tour? right? I mean, that, that guy was pretty, I mean, you stand him up at the Billy Graham crusade and let him share his testimony, right? And that guy could draw a crowd. As a matter of fact, he did. In John chapter 12, this is what it says. 
When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. But notice, <laughs> they didn't come to see Jesus. They came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus. You gotta come see this guy that was dead and now he's alive. It says, whom he had raised from the dead. Then notice this. The chief priests, the religious leaders, made plans to put Lazarus to death. Now just think about that for a second. Jesus raised him from the dead and the Pharisees said, we'll show you, we're gonna kill him. Now, I'm sure Jesus was like, go ahead and try. You kill him, I'll raise him from the dead again. Well, if you raise him from the dead, we're gonna kill him. Well, I'll just raise him from the dead. Can you imagine being Lazarus, you know, Dead, alive, dead, alive, dead and alive. I'm feeling like a pawn here. In the, but Jesus is like, you do not want to pick a fight with Jesus. He wins every time. He is victorious over sin, death, the grave, okay? And so he raised Lazarus for that purpose. And he said that when he raised Lazarus, it was going to be for the glory of God. He said the sickness was not unto death, but it is a sickness for the glory of God. Now, I want you to notice what happened. The reason why they wanted to put him to death is because Lazarus was dangerous. Notice, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. This guy was a weapon. Now, I don't know what your goal is for your children. My goal is that they would be so straight and so sharp that on account of them, many would believe in Jesus. I'm not raising my kids to survive the world. I'm raising my kids to change the world. I want them to be dangerous for the glory of God. And I want them when they show up that people are like, we're gonna have to kill them. They're, they're way too effective here. They're causing damage to the things that we love and we know that God hates. And so we need to make sure that we have high goals for our children. The first modern American missionary to India and later Burma was a guy named Adoniram Judson. Now, before he went to India, he fell in love with a young lady named Anne, and he wanted to marry her. And so he made an appointment with her father and asked for permission to marry his daughter. All right, now, if you're a dad, just feel the tension in just that statement, okay? It's like, okay, uh, I'm not, you're gonna have to really impress me with the proposal. This is what Adoniram Judson said to Anne's father before he left to go on the mission field with his daughter. He said, I have now to ask you whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Now, dads, how many of you at that point, conversation's over, okay? <laughs> the answer's no. You, you, no, you cannot take her away from me. He goes on. Whether you can consent to her departure 
to a heathen land and to her subjection to the hardships and suffering of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, to persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Now, at this point, what are you going to say? He continues. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you? For the sake of the perishing, immortal souls, for the sake of the glory of God, can you consent to all of this in hope to soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from the heathens saved through her means from the eternal woe and despair? Now what are you going to say? Can you release your daughter and your son into the hand of God to be used for the purposes of God as we hope in the Lord that he is better able to protect them and equip them than even we are. Here's the second thing. Send them towards something greater than themselves. Look at verse 20. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You know, it's characteristic of children that they seek their own interest. How many of you have noticed this? They're a little selfish. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. So the job of parenting is to get their focus off of themselves and onto others. And to realize you are just a speck of dust on the canvas of God's creation. And you are valued and love and have intrinsic worth as you are created in the image of God. But God has a purpose for you beyond consuming the creation on yourself. And if you find a child who has any concern for anyone but himself, you will find a parent that has loved him and disciplined him. To help him understand there's something greater than living for yourself. We aim them at others. We aim them at the needs of others in the world. One of the things that we've tried to train our children to do is how to walk in a room. Have you told your children how to walk in a room? You walk in a room, you survey the room, you look for the person in the room who doesn't have a friend, you look for the person in the room that looks like they're the most needy, and you move toward that person. That's how you walk in a room. That's how you live your life if you are on mission with God, because that's what God does. He moves toward the ones who are needy and humble and broken. That's a gospel-centered life is to aim them at something greater than themselves. Many of you know the name uh, Jim Elliott, who was also a missionary from America. And he married Elizabeth, and at the age of 27, they relocated to South America to try to engage an unreached, savage, cannibalistic 
people group there who'd never had access to the gospel. So they went there. Before they went, Jim talked to his parents. Mom, dad, here's what God's called me to do. Here's how that conversation went. He said, I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America. This is nothing else than what the Lord Jesus warned us when he told the disciples that they must become so infatuated with the kingdom and following him that all their other allegiances must become as though they were not. And he never excluded the family tie. In fact, those loves which we regard as closest, he told us must become as hate in comparison with our desires to uphold his cause. Grieve not then if your sons seem to desert you, but rejoice rather that seeing the will of God done gladly. Remember how the psalmist described children? He said that they were as a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who has a quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows? And what are arrows but for to shoot? So, with the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them straight at the enemy's hosts. And Jim Elliott was shot as an arrow, and we're still talking about it because of the courage and the conviction that he had for the gospel. Here's the last thing. Send them to serve the purposes of the gospel. So in verse 22, we read, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. Now, what would you expect him to write after that? He's just bragged on how useful Timothy is to him how he has served him, how he's brought great comfort, how he's made him more effective because of Timothy's service to him in the gospel. You would expect him to write, so don't you even think about taking him away from me. That's not what he writes. He says, you know how he's proven himself to be so faithful as a son with a father has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him. Because Paul understood there was an opportunity, there was a group that Timothy could go serve and it would have a broader impact on the gospel. And he was going to serve the local church there in Philippi. I want to invite Andrea to come up here. We want to make this really super practical as best we can here. And so I'm just going to start with uh, answering, the, I'm going to ask the question, let Andrea answer it here. Um, how can we as parents prepare for that awful moment when we actually let them fly? How do we turn loose of these so children we love so much? We're actually talking about this together on the way we had just left our third child at college and he's asking me questions. We're talking back and forth and I literally can barely get a word out because I'm just sobbing because I've just left my child. So I, what I'm saying, this is not easy. I'm not saying this from a distance. I'm saying this living up close right now. I think that um, one of the ways that it 
helps us to prepare the whole way through to release them is to have the end goal in mind. It's what we've been talking about these four weeks. What is the end goal? The end goal is to send them out. And from the very first moment you get that little baby in your arms, I know you remember that as a mom or as a dad, even getting that child in your arms and they're just treasures and you have no idea the talents they have or the abilities or what God has created them to do, but he knows. And so from that very moment, you're like, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you for entrusting me for just these few short years. Help me every day, daily, to be putting a biblical mindset into them, a heart for others. So when I do release them, they're ready to go. So it's, it's an everyday thing, thinking of the end goal. And I think God's very gracious to us. He lets us release them gradually. Like even when we take them to the nursery for the first time, you give them, you hand them off, knowing it's just a short time, and then you get to take them back. And then they go off to school and they're gone longer periods of time. And God's very gracious to help both us and our children, because it's not really fair to our children either if we so smother them and we so keep them, and then they're 18 and we're like, see ya. It's a gradual process, really, for both of us. Yeah, you loosen your grip every day, from day one to day 1,000, day 2,000. It's a little more. You have to release your grip. Some of us are not great at releasing the grip, and the reason is because we are finding our identity in our control over our kids. If I didn't have this kid to throw my life into, I wouldn't have anything else to live for. That's a problem. And so God gives us these children as a temporary gift, and one day we're going to release them back to him. But if you can't release them occasionally, temporarily, that means you're not putting your trust and your confidence, your hope in the Lord, that while you're away from them, the Lord can take care of them. And so we need to learn to gradually release them. That's right. Um, also, I think just... Um, what, what prevents us from letting go of our children? So let's say it's time, they're 18, they're 20, what, what prevents us from doing that? I think first of all, just not having a biblical mindset, not leaning into what the Word of God says. So both in um, Genesis chapter two and also in Ephesians five, we find this verse. It says, and a man shall leave his father and mother. So God's saying it to us, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's telling us something about the way we need to live our lives. That means financially, emotionally, in priorities. We've got to let go of the family and cling to the next season, the husband, the wife, the next stage that God's bringing you in. I remember we were doing some um, marriage counseling with a couple. They'd been married for 40 years. And during that time, the woman looked over at her husband and just with the most icy tone you can imagine, she said, in 40 years, you have never once considered me above considering your parents first. And the man couldn't deny it. Think of the damage over 40 years that had happened in that marriage. So we have to leave in every way.
Those are some good reminders from both Trent and Andrea Griffith on how we as parents can do a good job of releasing the arrows, the children that God has blessed us with. Trent is a senior pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. And if you'd like more information on how to visit Gospel City for a worship service, just go to mygospelcity.org. There you can find more information about service times and where we meet. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And don't forget that we recently launched our new Gospel City campus in Elkhart County. Find out more by clicking on I'm New Here when you visit mygospelcity.org. Or you can follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week, more on how to release our arrows from Trent and Andrea. Have a glorious Resurrection Day. And thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Paulus. My prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.